uh, continue. I better get my notes. Amen. I might need those. So uh, continue our Bible study as we've been going through on Sunday nights on faulty philosophies. Last week we were in the book of Nehemiah and we talked about uh, two different men, uh, three actually, but uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem and how that they thought they could stand up and stop the work of God. And uh, But you know what? Uh, God's the one ultimately in charge, and they found out, guess what? They're not going to stop Amen. God's work and God's man. Right. Amen. And I uh, pray that that was a help and a blessing to you last week. Take your Bibles tonight, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to look at uh, another faulty philosophy of a uh, pretty uh, not famous but infamous person uh, in the Scripture. And truth be told, a very sad story. Very sad um, uh, ending to a uh, person who had uh, tremendous potential. And we're going to talk tonight about Judas and his faulty philosophy. And so uh, John chapter 12, you find your place, stand with me as we read the first six verses of this chapter. John chapter 12. The Bible says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with them. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of a spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. I pray that you'd bless us. I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you'd speak to us, Lord, through the Scripture. Lord, we need to hear from you once again. And Lord, I pray that we would allow the Word of God to change us, uh, mold us, make us into what we ought to be for you. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, look at these uh, some of these things, God, that uh, we would be warned. And Lord, we would make sure that these things are not in our life. And so we love you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Judas. Uh, man, you, you hear that word? And as we'll talk about this in just a minute, uh, a couple things come to mind, and none of them are good things. In fact, I've never known anyone in all my years, I've never met anyone named Judas. There's a reason for that, by the way, right? Because there are certain things attached with that name. Who was Judas? Well, of course, Judas was one of Jesus's handpicked disciples. Now, think about that for a minute. Jesus handpicked his disciples after prayer and fasting, and Jesus picked Judas. Judas managed to fit in without ever truly believing in Jesus Christ uh, as the Savior. Think about that for a minute. Uh, there was one definite obstacle that controlled Judas. And uh, that uh, was the, the philosophy, the faulty philosophy that uh, uh, Satan used in Judas's life to distract him from the truth. And by the way, Satan is a master at it. There's usually, by the way, humankind, there's nothing new under the sun with human beings. Amen? I mean, we are the same old uh, creatures we've been since God first created us. And Satan doesn't have to have a thousand different weapons in his arsenal. Truth be told, it's a handful of things that get almost every single human being. By the way, it doesn't have to. It shouldn't be that way. The Bible is filled with the errors of those who went down that path. But why in the world do we think we're going to walk down the same path and expect a different destination? I mean, what's wrong with us as human beings? But Judas was possessed by covetousness. Covetous. Here's, here was his faulty philosophy. He believed that he could serve both God and mammon. He believed that he could serve both God and 
Mammon. You know what his God was? It wasn't the God-man that walked in the midst of him. It wasn't the son of man who he spent rubbed elbows with, who physically I'm sure he touched, who heard him speak, was in the very physical presence of the very Son of God. I mean, could you imagine the privilege of walking on this earth with Jesus Christ in the flesh? I mean, one of these days we're going to know what that's like. But could you imagine being, just, just, you think about it, down through the eons of history, all the approximately 6,000 years of human history, there was a small, very small sliver of time when Christ was here physically, and Judas got to be present when he was. And not just present, but one of his disciples. But yet, you know what Judas chose to do? He chose to serve mammon rather than God. Let me remind you what Jesus says a couple times in the Scripture. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. So you know what the Bible teaches us according to these verses? Is that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? And you know what? Judas's treasure uh, was no doubt in the spiritual things of life. They were totally consumed with and wrapped up with the mammon or the material things of this life. Again, think about this. Judas was present when Jesus taught those truths. He could not claim ignorance, yet he secretly harbored a desire for mammon that clouded every other thing in his life. So let's look about Judas tonight. Let's look at some things about him. First of all, we've already said this, but Judas was a disciple of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10 talks about where Jesus called the disciples in verses 1 through 4. And you know what? Judas was on that list. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Judas was one of the disciples Jesus Christ picked. Amen? Again, think about what he, what he was able to see. He was He saw the miracles. He listened to the sermons. He heard the parables. Uh, he was sent out with, with one of the other disciples to preach and no doubt did some miraculous things. Yet despite all this, Judas never became a true hearted believer. And folks, again, let me emphasize this, and I know who I'm preaching to tonight. This is our, our core crowd, our home crowd. Uh, but let me say, listen, your associations with other people do not make you a Christian. Amen. The only thing that makes you a Christian is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, think about it. Judas was with Christ. He heard Christ, but he never made that personal decision to believe on and put his faith and trust in Christ and Him alone. Amen? Man, think about that. Uh, By the way, I believe there was a secret motive for accepting Jesus' invitation to be a disciple. He wasn't in it to serve Christ or others. He became a disciple. Think about it for what he could get out of, for what he could get out of it. Amen? And we know that's true because this leads to the second thing about Judas. Judas was a thief. He was a thief. Again, in our text we read in John chapter 12, verse 4, the Bible clearly identifies him as a thief. This whole idea about wanting to give to the poor had nothing to do with the poor. The only reason he wanted the, well, wanted the money so he could skim off the top, so he could pad his own pockets. And the Bible says that he had the bag. He was the treasurer, if you will, and uh, he wasn't good at what he did. John chapter 13, verse 29 For some of them thought because Judas had the bag 
that Jesus had said unto them, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, that he should give something to the poor. Again, he was the treasurer. He's the one that dealt with their personal finances. But Judas sought this position so he could embezzle funds for himself. Now, think about what would lead Judas to do that. I mean, uh, come on. I mean, you're with Christ. You see all that's happening. You see all that's going on. And you're so consumed with the material things of this life. That's, that's, all, that's all that drove him. Were those t- I'll tell you why. Because he had covetousness in his heart. Covetousness in his heart. From time to time, uh, I preach about this a little bit. But you know what? It's good for us to hear these things. Amen? Listen, I'm going to tell you, as Americans, if we're not careful, you know what our God is? Materialism's our God. Again, folks, listen, we are a blessed nation. We live in one of the greatest nations on this planet. And we're the one of the most blessed nations on this planet. And by the way, that's why people are, are doing everything they can to get here. Amen? Because it's, it's still uh, one of the most uh, uh, amazing places to live. You don't believe that? Go to some other countries and find that out. I mean, if you've never traveled outside the borders of this country, you don't even have a reference point. Some people in this room have. You've seen how most of the other world lives uh, besides as we live. And I'm going to tell you, if it's not, if we're not careful as Christians, we look at those blessings of God that He's put on our country, and then they become our God. And we get covetousness in life. It's all about the things of this life. And we ignore and we forget the fact that all this stuff is going to burn one of these days. It's all going to burn. Amen? The only thing that's going to uh, last are the things of eternal value. And you hear me say it all the time. We're the only two things on this planet that have eternal value. Number one's the Word of God. It's eternal. Amen? Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Amen? The Word of God's eternal and the souls of mankind are eternal. So what do you think God would have us be most interested in in our lives as Christians? Eternal things. Amen? By the way, I say it, I'm going to keep saying it, and, and you'll get tired, you'll hear me say it in, uh, in your sleep probably, all right? But a hundred years from now, right? The only thing that's going to matter are the things of eternal value. That's all that's going to matter. Amen? And that's why our short journey we have on earth, this little vapor of a life, God wants for us to lay for ourselves up treasures in heaven. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, we get, we get, we get, uh, uh, have covetousness in our life. First Timothy chapter six, very, uh, famous passage of scripture here, but a good reminder. He says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Listen, we just need to be content in life. Amen? Now again, it's not wrong to have things, but it's wrong if things have you. It's wrong if that's all your life's about stuff and things. Amen? Listen, folks, we all have stuff, don't we? We all, we all been blessed with more than what we could probably ever need, right? I mean, we're blessed with those things. But again, is that all our life is about? We ought to be uh, content. And you know what? The reason Judas, as a disciple of Christ, led to the path we're going to see here tonight is because covetousness grabbed his heart and that's all he was consumed with. And I'm going to tell you, think about this for a minute. If Satan could get Judas, what makes you think he couldn't get me or you? I mean, listen, I mean, we don't, I mean, we do have the presence of Christ in our life, no doubt, as Christians. I mean, we got the Holy Spirit living in us, amen? And, and, and I'd go so far as to say we can be just as close to God as His disciples were, even though it's in a little bit different form, because God lives in us, amen? But if God, if, if Satan could trick Judas, let me tell you something, we're no match for him if we don't stand up against him the way the Bible tells for us to. Amen? And Judas allowed Satan to have a foothold in his life. And you've got to be so careful as a Christian allowing Satan to have footholds. 
I'm going to tell you something. Satan will get his foot in the door, and let me tell you, he's not content with his foot. Amen? Before long, he'll have his leg in there. Before long, he'll start squeezing in. And before you know it, he'll have the door wide open, and we'll be in wrecking your life. So don't even give him a foothold. Amen? And so Judas, of course, we see here, was a thief. You say, well, preacher, I, there's no way I would be like Jesus, Judas. I don't think for one second that I would stoop so low as to pilfer money that belonged to Christ. I mean, that would be like stealing from God Himself. And you know what? Sure, it would be. But you know what? You know, there's still some Christians that are just as guilty as Judas are. You know, we can still be guilty of the sin of stealing from God in our day and age. Sure we can. How do we do it? Well, the Bible says you can literally steal money from God. You say, well, what, how does that make sense? Well, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, what's the Bible say? Will a man rob God? By the way, it doesn't, robbing is a little bit more of a severe word than just stealing. Stealing means you take something without somebody knowing it. Robbing means you take it by force. That's robbing. And the Bible asks the question, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? Very clear in tithes and offerings. Amen. And listen to me, folks. I don't harp on it every single week around here, but the Bible talks about it, and I preach about it from time to time. Amen. As well I should as a preacher of the Word of God. Amen. Let me just tell you, as a Christian, uh, if you're not giving your tithes and offerings, you're stealing from God. You're robbing God. Amen. By the way, the tithe belongs to God. What's the word tithe mean? It means a tenth. That's what it means. The tenth is what God commands for us to give back to Him. He's blessed us. He's commanded for us to give back to Him. And then it doesn't just say in tithes. It says in offerings as well. Offerings is whatever. That's not a, a particular amount. It's not a particular command. It's above and beyond the tithe between you and God. But you know what? If you, uh, as a Christian, you ought to be involved in giving your tithes. You say, preacher, I can't afford to tithe. Listen to me. You can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. Amen? And I'm going to just tell you, and I know who I'm sitting in the midst of tonight. I'm sitting in the midst of a giving church. Amen? And you are a giving church. And let me just say this, church, I commend you for that. And by the way, I believe part of the reason God's blessing this assembly is because it's a giving assembly. I believe that. But again, folks, this is part of the message tonight. I don't know who does what. I mean, listen, I, 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 don't, I don't go check every week and figure out well, who's tithing, who's not tithing. That's between you and God. But I will say this, you know what, maybe there's someone who's not, and if you're not, you need to, amen? Not because of anything to do with me, because everything to do with God's blessing on your life. And I wouldn't be a preacher with my soul if I didn't preach that truth from the Word of God. So Christians can steal money from God. Not only that, how about this? Christians can steal a day from God. Oh yeah. Okay, remember this folks, and I say this often around here. But you know what Sunday is? Revelation chapter 1 verse tells us, John says this, I was in the Spirit on the whose day? Lord's day. As in possessive. As in belongs to God. By the way, he established this all the way at creation. I understand the day has changed. Okay, we no longer observe Saturday as the Sabbath. Okay, because that changed when Jesus resurrected. Okay, but God still didn't alleviate the principle about a day of the week still belongs to Him. And you know what day that is? You got it. It's today. Amen. It's Sunday. Belongs to God. And the Bible is very clear about what God wants His children to be doing on Sunday. All right? And it's not worshiping Him at the lake. Oh, I, I, how many people I've talked to, oh, I, I, I can worship God at the lake, and, and I just worship God on the lake on Sunday. Well, you may worship God on the lake, but if you do it on Sunday, you're disobeying. 
Because it's God's day. And the Bible is very clear where He expects His children to be on His day, and that is His house. It's clear about it. Uh, the book of Hebrews tells us, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. Amen? Listen, folks, think about how important the church is to Jesus Christ. He shed His blood for it. Precious, precious possession the church is. The gathering of God's people is. And, and it's, it's a shame when so many Christians treat it in such a trivial manner. Amen? So Christians can steal a day from God. How about this, young people? I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Christians can steal their youth from God. Listen to this verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Listen to me, young people. There's something about your youth that God, if you will give it to God, God can do great and amazing things with you in your youth. Okay, let me tell you a lie from the devil, okay? Here's a lie from the devil. Oh, you can serve God when you're older. Let me tell you, people who try to live by that philosophy never happens. Never happens. Think about this for a minute. Travel with me through a minute through the Scripture. David, he did not steal his youth from God, and because of that, guess what? He killed a giant. Joseph did not steal his youth from God, and because of that, he saved the world from starvation. Daniel did not steal his youth from God, and because of that, God delivered him from the hungry lions and used him to influence a, a nation. Samuel did not steal his youth from God, and because of that, he became the great prophet for Israel. How about a lad who gave to Jesus everything he had in his youth, and because of that, Jesus turned it to a miracle and fed 5,000 hungry people. And young people, let me just encourage you tonight, do not steal your youth from God. There's something about knowing God in your youth. Let me tell you, it, it, it's, a, it's a time where your, your heart, and the Bible says right here, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, listen, you haven't experienced the evil days of life yet. And you, you're, you're not as tainted, and I shouldn't say the word tainted, but you're not as uh, exposed to things that you will be one day in this life. You give your youth to God, and I'm going to tell you something, there's something special that God will knit in your heart, in your youth, that you'll miss out on any other time in life. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't work on people and save people later on. But listen, you steal your youth from God, you're never getting those years back. Never. And I've never met a young person that at the end of their life who gave their life to God, particularly their youth to God, and regretted it. But I sure have met a lot of young people and a lot of, or a lot of elderly people, you know who what, who regretted not giving their youth to God. Do not steal it from God. Amen. God wants to do something great with you young people. And listen to me. Satan also wants to wreck you. As much as God has a will for your life, Satan has a will for your life. Give your youth to God. And by the way, I'm not just talking about getting saved at a young age, although that's part of it. Come on, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning, didn't we, young people? I'm talking about in your youth, learning to know God, walking with God, communicating with God. Let me tell you what's the advantage of making right choices, okay? You don't carry a bunch of unnecessary baggage through life. Let me tell you why a lot of folks face the problems they face, okay? It's not that they're not saved. It's not that they're not trying. It's just a result of God's law of sowing and reaping. They sowed a lot of bad seed in their youth. And guess what? Harvest time's coming. And you know when they're reaping it out? Later on in life. As young adults, as middle-aged adults. You know why? They stole their youth from God. And it's not that they're not saved. It's not that even they're not right with God at this time in their life. It's just that, you know what? Because they didn't sow the right seed, they're carrying a bunch of baggage through life. Young people, God never intended for you to live that way. Amen?
And that's why the devil works so hard, parents, at our young people, does he not? He's trying to pull their heart away from the things of God. And that's why God gave them parents, amen? And that's why we got to help keep their heart tender toward the things of God so they'll yield to God and give their youth to God. So you know what? Christians can steal from God. So let's not be stealing from the Lord like Judas did. So Judas was a thief. He stole. Uh, Judas was, of course, was a disciple. How about this? Of course, this is probably the most infamous thing he's known for. Judas betrayed the Lord. He was a betrayer. Think about it. He was a betrayer. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said unto them, notice here, notice his motivation for betrayal. What will ye give me and I will deliver him unto you. You know what his motive for betrayal was? His greed. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Now I want you, I know this was Bible prophecy. This was, this was, this was prophesied. I understand all that. But listen, Judas still had a choice. Okay, some people think, well, Judas had to do it because the Bible prophesied he'd do it. No, God in his wisdom looked through the annals of time and knew what Judas would do, but Judas still had a choice. Okay? By the way, you know what 30 pieces of silver represented? The price of a common slave. That's all it represented. It wasn't like he was getting filthy rich off this. He was so greed-driven, it didn't really matter what the cost was or what the price was. He just wanted something in his hand. And the Bible says, and from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Again, his greed drove him to betrayal. He approached, uh, he approached those chief priests and, and, and literally uh, sold Jesus for cheap. Amen. He undervalued. The Bible says he despised. He undervalued the Savior of the world. And listen, folks, before we rush to condemnation, we ought to consider, again, many Christians are doing the same thing today. You know one of the last sins of the last day is becoming a traitor? That means selling out Jesus Christ for personal gain. And I wonder how many Christians, you know, have been just like Judas. And you know what? They, they, uh, they're selling Christ out for the cheap Things of this world. Let me tell you, he's more valuable than that. Amen. He's more valuable than the than than the, what this life has to offer. So he was a betrayer, a betrayer. Now, because Judas allowed these things in his life, what price did he pay for this faulty philosophy? High, high cost. Let's look at the price of his faulty philosophy. Man, to me, uh, all these things are sad. But how about this? It cost him a wasted opportunity. A wasted opportunity. I want you to think about this for a minute. Judas, of course, never made it to the book of Acts because he hung himself uh, after Christ, he betrayed Christ. So he never made it to what those disciples and apostles end up being. As God then poured His Holy Spirit out upon them, they were, in, they were filled with the power of the Spirit and went on, on out, as the Bible says, to turn the world upside down for Christ. What an amazing opportunity he missed out on. What an amazing opportunity. By the way, you know what? Uh, Judas, or I'm sorry, the, the, the apostles, uh, because they were, uh, the, or, you know, they were the apostles of Christ, the book of Revelation tells us that one of these days when we get to that city, New Jerusalem, their names are going to be etched in those 12 foundations of that great city. Think about this. Judas missed out on that. Okay, think about the amazing opportunities he missed out on. And I want you to hear me loud and clear. Listen to me. If you sell Jesus Christ out, and I'm preaching to young people, middle-aged people, I'm preaching to every single Christian in this room tonight. If we sell out Jesus Christ, we'll be missing out on some amazing opportunities. 
Amazing. I'm going to tell you, nothing the devil has to offer is in any comparison to the value of God using you to accomplish things of eternal value. Nothing can compare whatsoever. But I'm surprised at how cheap it is Christians sell out Jesus Christ for. Sell them out for the cheap things of this life. Sell them out for the wicked sins of the flesh. Sell them out for this. Sell them out for that. Listen, don't, don't uh, uh, miss that amazing opportunity that God wants to give you in your life if you uh, ha- treat Christ properly. Not only that, Judas robbed himself of future blessings. Again, uh, God had a great... Listen, there was a reason Jesus invested and was so patient in those, those apostles. He had, listen, we wouldn't even be here tonight if it wasn't for those apostles. You realize they took the message of the gospel... And God used them to literally spread the gospel around the known world at the time because of their, their loyalty and faithfulness. Listen, who was it that first introduced the gospel to the Gentiles? Anybody know? I won't, I won't quiz you. It's not Bible quiz time in Sunday school class. It was Peter, right? He had the key that he was able to unlock the door and, and preach to Cornelius, the, the first Gentile. And then God, through the, the Apostle Paul and all his missionary journeys, began to spread that all throughout the, the, the Gentiles of the world. Listen, if those apostles uh, hadn't been faithful, we wouldn't be saved tonight. Because God used them to get the gospel spread throughout the world. Judas missed out on it. Because, by the way, think about this for a minute. The thing he sold Jesus uh, out for anyway, you know what, was so of less value to him, he threw it on the ground wasn't even worth that much to him when he realized the price it cost him. This is very sad. Judas opened himself up to satanic influence. Okay, here's what the Bible says about Judas. Listen to this in John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. As supper being in, in, ended, listen to this, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And then in Luke it says this, then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot. Judas, literally, because of his greed and because of his heart for covetousness, uh, Satan entered into him. Think about that for a minute. He was possessed, literally, by the devil. He opened himself up to satanic influence. I'm going to tell you something. When we start ignoring blatant Bible commands, we start living in direct opposite of the things we know the Word of God says, you better look out. Because let me tell you what you're doing. You're holding up a, a vacancy sign, okay? And you're holding it up for, for Saint and all his minions to see. And don't tell me for one second they're not going to come and take advantage of that. Now, I don't believe a Christian can be possessed by the devil. But I'm going to tell you right now, Christians sure can be influenced by the devil. You better believe they can. I mean, come on, chase it all throughout the Scripture. And you find many Christians uh, who, who were influenced by Satan. And by the way, Satan didn't make him do it. They chose to do it. But because of they opened themselves up to that influence, they did things they never would have done if Satan had influenced them in that direction. Amen? And so all I'm going to say is this. It's very, very dangerous to uh, open yourself up to satanic influence. And of course, uh, the sin of Judas, the sin of greed and covetousness, opened that door up in his life, and Satan kicked it wide open and walked right in. Judas then will always be labeled forever as a traitor. I mean, listen, it's, it's even used today in, in modern vernacular. Oh, don't be a Judas. Right? I mean, you've probably even said that to somebody or heard somebody say that. 
Even to this day, if you walked out and say, uh, what, uh, what, what would you describe a person if, if I called him Judas? Most people are going to know it means traitor. Even people who don't really even have quite of a, uh, a knowledge of the Word of God would still probably figure that one out. Well, maybe not. I don't know. In this crazy culture we're living in. But most people associate the name Judas with traitor. By the way, every, most every time the Bible mentions Judas, it connects him to betrayer or traitor. In Matthew 10.4, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. Matthew 26, 25, then Judas, which betrayed him. Matthew 27, verse 3, then Judas, which betrayed him. Mark chapter 3, verse 19, and Judas, which also betrayed him. Mark 14, 10, and Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the priest to betray him. And Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. I mean, think about that. Would you want the fact that you were a traitor to the Son of God to be linked to your name? Man, think about that for a minute. By the way, I, I believe that linked to us is a reputation as well. When people think of us and say our name, I believe they think of something. What do they think about when your name's said? People that know you, maybe people, your neighbors or your friends or your family. All right? I mean, listen, are you linked with the things of God? Or are you linked with the things of this world? Uh, some kind of sin, some kind of thing that you shouldn't be linked with. Amen? Come on now, listen. You know what? Because of Judas' choices, he will forever be known as the traitor. Not only that, think about this. Judas saddled himself with unbearable guilt. Unbearable guilt. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 27, verse uh, 2 through 5. And when they had bound him, they led him away, talking about Jesus, and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, talking about Christ, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the Bible gets a little more graphic in Acts chapter 1. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased of a field with the reward of iniquity, and ready for this, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. There you go. God painted the picture pretty uh, uh, plain and clear right there, didn't he? You know what led to all that, folks? And it didn't have to. But you know what led to all that? The sin of covetousness, the sin of greed. Judas, because he did that, uh, had the guilt. And by the way, the only way he knew how to deal with that guilt, he could have, he could have turned for forgiveness to Christ. He could have, but he didn't. Now, when the Bible says he repented himself, he's not talking about the fact that he was, you know, uh, repenting for his sin and repenting even though he called it sin. He wasn't repenting seeking forgiveness because he didn't go to the one that could forgive him. You know who he went to? He went to the chief priest. He tried to undo what he did, but it was too late. There was no undoing it. And that unbearable guilt he bore led him to committing suicide. And let me tell you something, folks. What we find a lot in our life today is people carrying things God never intended for them to carry. You know why we have a pandemic of suicide? Because people are carrying things God never intended for them to have to carry. 
I mean, it's in our own community, folks. People killing themselves all the time. I mean, literally, young people at public schools and other places, I mean, talking about killing themselves and suicide. I mean, it's, just, it, it's rampant in our culture, particularly in this community. Let me tell you, uh, a lot of that is going on because people are, number one, doing things they shouldn't do, and then they're carrying guilt because of doing those things they shouldn't do. By the way, there's an answer for that. You know what it's called? Forgiveness. Called the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus' blood could have saved Judas had he turned, but instead he went and he, uh, he went and hung himself. And because of that, listen to me, folks, Judas suffers forever the torments of hell. Notice the testimony of Peter talks about this. He said that, that he, talking about, uh, or, or the, um, when they uh, tried to uh, elect Matthias as to be a, another apostle, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell that he might go to his own place. And you know where that place was? It was the, the uh, torments of hell. The torments of hell. Pastor Ross said this. I'll never forget it. As a teenager, I heard him say it. Judas was a man who kissed heaven's door and went to hell. Think about that. Kissed heaven's door. He betrayed the Son of Man with a kiss. Yet he still went, died, and went to hell. Now listen, all this tragedy, all this tragedy we just talked about, all because of his faulty philosophy that he thought he could serve God and man. And folks, let me just say it. Let's break it down to where we're living at. Amen? you got to choose who you're going to serve. you got to choose who you're going to serve. You can't serve both. There's only one throne of your heart and only one person can sit on it. Or one thing should sit on it. Or, or whatever. It's only room for one thing. Let me tell you, the only thing that ought to be sitting on the throne of our hearts is the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's it, folks. You put anything else on that throne, I guarantee you, it will lead to tragedy. It will lead to tragedy. So, you know what? As a church, as individuals, of course, as families, let's not fall for this philosophy. This philosophy. Again, I'm not preaching against having things. Absolutely not. Some of the greatest men in the Bible were very wealthy and rich people. We just read it this morning, Proverbs chapter 8. If you read it this morning the way you should have, you read that verse that talks about wisdom, and with wisdom dwells riches and honor. Okay? And so I'm not saying it's wrong to have stuff, but don't let it have you. Don't get so obsessed with the things of this life that that's all you're consumed with. Amen? Hey, be consumed with Jesus. Be consumed with loving Him, serving Him, living for Him, pleasing Him. Amen? And don't get caught with this faulty philosophy that Judas had. Let's pray. Lord, we love You tonight.